Thank you, Cleve, for your leadership today. Thank you, Bell Choir. If you enjoyed the Bell Choir today, would you just give them a round of applause? I want to take a moment and thank Pastor Greg for, for his faithfulness last week in bringing God's Word, and he is always faithful to preach and lead when he's called upon, and I'm so thankful for the team that we have in place. And uh, as I shared with you a couple weeks ago, I was headed down a path to preach a series and felt the Lord checked me on that. And as Pastor Greg preached his message last week, God continued to work in my heart on the same topic. So I guess, in a way, Pastor Greg started the series. And so we're going to continue it today, and I'm thankful for God's direction in that. And so uh, series building, and we didn't even realize it. And so I give God praise for that. But I've titled the message today, You Got It. You got it. Um, and so I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of First Samuel. First Samuel is where we're going to be today. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one in the pew there in front of you. It'll be on the screen, most of our text today. But we're going to jump around the book of First Samuel and talk about a couple different people in the book of First Samuel. And I'm looking forward to this because I believe that God wants us to see something today that's very important and that we must understand if we're really going to understand what it truly means to get what God is giving us. So if you have your outlines and you want to take notes and follow along, get those out, jot some notes down. Here we go, we're going to get started right away. We need to understand this first question before we go any further. How do you receive a gift? How do you receive a gift. Now maybe it's at Christmas time and you think about gifts and presents at Christmas time and you can think about, well, it's, it's the end of April, Christmas is still a long ways away. Did you know Christmas is eight months from today? Woohoo! Yeah. So if you want to start playing Christmas music, it got really quiet in here. I want to give you permission today, if your spouse yells at you, say, Pastor told me I could. Today is the day, April 25th, eight months from today is Christmas Day. You can play Christmas music today, okay, today, that's it. No, uh, Christmas, eight months away, so get your shopping done, get those gifts ready, Maybe it's birthdays, maybe it's anniversaries. Some of you I know have rules in your home about how you give gifts, how you receive gifts on certain special days. I won't go into details of some of those rules that I know about, but you know what to buy, what not to buy, what type of gift. And so many of us have received a gift, we open the gift and we've probably said something that maybe we've regretted as soon as we've said it. But we say it and sometimes it comes across as, as gracious. Sometimes it comes across as maybe a little bit snide or sarcastic. But we open the gift and you've probably said something like, Oh, you shouldn't have. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, you shouldn't have. And you know what? You know, if, if we've said that, we've probably thought two different things. You know, wow, this is so great that you really shouldn't have. Or, what am I going to do with this? You really shouldn't have. 
So there's two types of gift receivers, okay? Two types of gift receivers. Bear with me. The first one is this. There's exchangers. There's exchangers. How many of you are an exchanger? One. I'm just going to talk to you for a minute, Molly, okay? Exchangers. No, we, we say as exchangers that if you gave me this gift, you really want me to be happy, so I'm going to exchange it and be happy with something I wanted. You know what I'm talking You Yeah, she's nodding her head. Yeah, we're exchangers. So you wanted to make me happy. I'm going to be happy by getting what I wanted. My dad's an exchanger, okay? I just stopped giving him gifts, you know? I, I know what store he wants to go to, so... It's just gift card to that store. You go get what you want. He's colorblind, so uh, this is free, okay? I'm going to joke on it. He watches me every week, and so I'm going to tell a story on my dad. He's, a, he's an exchanger, and I can't buy him clothes. I can't buy him anything with some sense of style because he just doesn't get it, okay? And so I've had to give him gift cards, and I say, I'm not going to get you a golf shirt or even a Hawaiian shirt. He likes to wear Hawaiian shirts. I mean, he's getting old, you know, and so I, I give him a hard time about how he dresses, and uh, he's colorblind, though, and he can't see colors, and so we'll give him a, a if we'll give him a shirt or, or an outfit, he's like, what can I wear this with? <laughs> well, Dad, you don't want to put an orange shirt with orange pants, because to you, it's going to end up being orange and purple or orange and yellow, and it just doesn't make sense. And so we just give him a gift card, and if he's going to buy clothes, we say, Mom, you need to go with him so that he looks okay. Uh, but we're exchangers. My dad's an exchanger. The other type of gift receiver is a hoarder, okay? Now, this is not your typical hoarder that, you know, just, just receives so many gifts, and, but this is a hoarder that's really a people pleaser, and, and how many of you are this, okay? It, it, you're a hoarder in the sense of, I don't want anybody to be mad. And I, oh, you shouldn't have, so I'm going to put this in the closet in case you come over six months later. And I need to get this out and say, oh, look at this gift you gave me. We're hoarders. Even though we'll never use it, we keep it stacked away in case somebody comes over and we don't want to offend them. We're people pleasers. How many of you are hoarder gift receivers? Okay, a few more of you. Okay, good, good. You're awake. I'm glad to hear that. But how many times have we opened up the box or the gift? We've looked in the gift, and if we're in a group of people, if it's Christmas time or if it's something else that it's not just one person receiving gifts, we look around and we think, boy, what'd they get? Or, I really wish I could have gotten that instead. You know, if we're honest today, there's probably times where we've looked in the mirror and we've said the same thing. God, why did you give me this? Why have you gifted me with this? And so I, the next question I have to ask us this morning is, what do we see when we look in the mirror about God's gift giving? You see, God, why did you give me this? Why am I the way that I am? Why couldn't I be given what they have been given? Why couldn't I have their personality? Why couldn't I do the things for God that they're doing? You see, today I want us to look at two different people in Scripture to see how they've used their gifts 
and what we can learn from them. The first person I want us to see and talk about today is King Saul in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel. Let me give you a little bit of background. You go read his story for yourself. Uh, I encourage you to get into God's Word and, and really dig into it. But King Saul's background, I want to pick up his story in this part of it. He's, his family has lost some donkeys. Anybody ever lost a donkey? A couple of you. Okay, good. So his, his, I'm assuming it was his father or somebody in, in authority over him says, Saul, I need you to go out and find the donkeys that have gotten out. Probably around here, something that relates more is if you've got a cow out or something like that, right? But he says, go out and find the donkeys. So Saul heads out and he goes to find the donkeys and he's looking everywhere. He goes into village after village. He can't find the donkeys. Well, the, the, the prophet, the, the man of God, Samuel, finds Saul. And at this time, the nation of Israel is begging and pleading with God, God, would you give us a king? We want to be like the other nations around us that have kings. In other words, they've opened their gift from God, who God is their God, and they are his people. And they said, you're not good enough for us, God. We want what they have. So Samuel crosses paths with Saul, and he says to Saul, and God says to Samuel, this is the man. I want you to anoint him as the first king of Israel. We find this in 1 Samuel 10, verse 1. It says, then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it over Saul's head. He kissed Saul and said, I'm doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession. Saul, he's the first king of Israel. We see Saul lives his life. We see the mistakes he's made. We see people that aren't happy with him. And God intervenes and he's not pleased and he begins to choose a second king. Now, keep in mind, Saul is not dead yet, and if you know this story, you know where I'm going. The second person I want us to see today is King David. So we stay in 1 Samuel, we pick up King David. It's a little bit different beginning as David is out tending sheep. Samuel goes to the house of Jesse, where God has told him to go to anoint the next king. And Samuel, this same prophet, is now trying to work out the anointing of the second king of Israel. And he goes into Jesse's household and he says to Jesse, line up all of your sons, we're going to choose the next king. And Jesse lines his sons up and Samuel goes through each one of them and you know the story, how it goes. He talks to all seven of David's siblings and every single one of them, God says no. And so Samuel says to Jesse, Jesse, is this all you got? Greg and Sarah, has God ever said, is this all you got? Do you want to announce anything today? No, okay, great. No, but Samuel says to, to Jesse, is this all you got? He goes, well, there's just little David, but he's out tending sheep. And Samuel says, that's okay, I'll wait. Can you pop some popcorn for me? I'm going to sit and wait. You go get him, and, and we'll just wait and see. So they go out and get David. And as David walks in, David, 
He's just tending sheep. We'll wait. 1 Samuel 16, 13. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil and he had, that he had brought, and he anointed David with the oil. Sound familiar? We just read this a minute ago. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And then Samuel returned to Ramah. Two different men, two different stories. But I want us to see three important truths about both Saul and David, about the gifts they were given. So let's let's go through these really quickly here. Three truths about King Saul and King David. Number one, they were called to it. They were called to be king. They were called to it. Samuel was told where to go and what to do and whom to anoint king. God was calling Saul and David to be his chosen king for his people. Number one, both Saul and David were called to it. Number two, they were gifted for it. They were gifted for it. God gives us the means to do what he calls us to do. Amen? Somebody needs to hear this today. The gift that God has given you is to carry out the calling that he has given you. Let me say that again. The gift God gives you is so that you can carry out the calling he has given you. So he's called to it. He's gifted for it. And finally, we see this. Others see their gifting. Others see it. In both cases, the Spirit of God came on both Saul and David powerly, powerfully. And we know this because of a couple different things that happened. As soon as, as soon as Samuel anoints Saul as the king, he also tells him, and if you read on in that, in that verse, it says, Oh, and by the way, Saul, the donkeys have been found. You can go home. So you've been sent out to find donkeys. We found them, but really you were sent out so that I could find you. And give you this gift. So Saul, the, the spirit of the Lord falls powerfully on Saul. And Saul begins to go back home. And he begins to prophesy. He begins to speak God's message for God's people to those people that are around him. And as he's going back, he, he crosses paths with people. And he begins to prophesy. And people start to wonder, this is Saul. We know who this guy is. But now he's, he's talking The way God would have him to talk is now he, one of God's chosen men. You see, something was different about Saul, and others saw it. They began to ask questions about it. We see the same thing with David. David, Saul is king at this this time, and Saul is, is struggling. And one of the things he's struggling with is He's being tormented and he can't sleep. Anybody else have trouble sleeping? Don't you? You don't have to raise your hand. but Saul's, Saul's struggling to sleep, and he's got this guy that's his right-hand man, and he says, you know what, Saul? I know a guy who's been gifted at playing the harp. I know a guy that can probably help us here. And he's talking about David. And David is in King Saul's court of of workers and all that's going on at this time. And so this man goes and gets David, and David comes in, and he tells King Saul, this man is gifted. 
He can play. He can sing. He's good looking. People like him. He's a, he's a warrior. He's, he's just got the whole package. And he's talking about David. And he brings David in. And in 1 Samuel 16, 18, and this is what we read. One of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he's a brave warrior, a man of war, and has good judgment. He's also a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. Wouldn't that be a cool description that somebody would give you? Anyway, the Lord is with him. Somebody else saw David's gifting. You know, we, we have these opportunities as well. It's easy for us to see other people's giftings. We can name people. I think about Mother Teresa. It wouldn't be hard for us to say, yeah, she's gifted. And we could talk about her gifting. I think of even Martin Luther King and, and just the, the, the amazing influence that he's had. People looked at him and said, you know what, he's different. He's got something. You probably know somebody, as we're talking about this, when we, we think of other people's gifts, somebody comes to mind for you. I want to tell you a story. I, I, remember, playing, I remember playing football growing up. I know it's hard for some of you to believe, but um, as I was in junior high, I was playing football. And it was my first experience playing with full pads and tackle, and, and I played defensive back. And they put me either at, at cornerback or at free safety. So I was the last line of defense on the team. So if the, the play broke down and somebody was running to score, they put me back there, I believe, because I was fast. They thought, you know what, BJ, if they get past everybody, you go chase them. You'll catch them. And so I'm back here. I'm the, the back line of defense. And we had this guy on our team who was a running back. And in eighth grade... His name was Jeremy. Jeremy was his name. In eighth grade, he was like 6'2", 220 pounds. He had more leg hair than I had on my head. Okay? In eighth grade. So here's what would happen in practice. They'd get up to the line to call the play. The quarterback would take the snap, and he'd hand it to Jeremy. Jeremy would run through the line, no problem. He'd get to the linebackers, the meanest, fiercest kids on the team, and he would just push them aside. And then all of a sudden, it's just me and Jeremy. So Jeremy, 6'2", 220 pounds, and here's BJ, 5'2", stretched out. I had to put weights in my pocket just to be able to play on the team, okay? I'm not kidding about that. I almost got in trouble. But I'm back there, and I'm thinking, oh, boy, here we go again. Every single day in practice, Jeremy would come through that line, and here we go. And I'm like, okay. So here's what happened. One of two things would happen. If Jeremy was feeling good and, and kind, he would just run around me. But if he was having a bad day, boom, right over that little kid. Every single day. I got so tired of it. One day I went home and I said, Mom, Dad, I'm so sick and tired of this. Every day Jeremy just keeps coming at me and coming at me. I can't tackle him. I can't figure this out. He's just bigger than me. He just is, I don't get it. We're the same age. Why is this the difference? And my dad looks at me. He said, you know what? It's easy, BJ. God has gifted Jeremy to play football. 
And the thing is, God has gifted you too. But it's not to play football. You see, others can see it. Others can see it. It's easy to see others gifting, but it's hard sometimes for us to look past our own gaps. I want you to know something today, though. If you're a follower of Christ, here's the good news. You already got it. You got it. If you're a follower of Christ, he has gifted you. If you're a follower of Christ, you got it. If you're a follower of Christ, you're called to it. Okay, God has called you. If you're a follower of Christ, he has called you to follow him. You've accepted God's calling on your life, and this calling comes in a couple different parts. We're called, we're all called to be saved from our sins, and we're all called to be saved from our sins for God's purpose. Every single one of us has that calling on our life. You might be saying, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. That's okay. God has called all of us to be saved from our sins for his purpose. You are called to it. As Christians, we have similar callings. Just as we're all called to being saved from our sins, all of us have a similar calling to follow Jesus, to learn about him, to grow with him, to take the next step with him. Then as we continue to follow Jesus, we all have the similar calling to to love God and to love others. It's in Scripture It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You see, that goes for all of us. We're all gifted to, or we're all called to that. We're all called to the similar thing to make disciples. Matthew 28, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all I have commanded you. But then also as Christians, we're called to specific things. There's some of you here today that you've been called to a specific thing in life. You see that life is not easy for some and there's, there's trauma. And some of you have been called in a season of your life to be foster parents or to adopt a child because you feel that God's called you to allow these children to see what God intended for the family unit to look like. Some of you are called to fight for things that that people can't fight for. And you are passionate and God's called you to fight for the abortion rights. And you fight for things of the, the voiceless, marginal people. And you are called to that. There's some of you that are called to be business owners. Christian business owners, and you're called to to be business owners or or managers in your company, and you're called to that because you feel that God wants people to work in a place where they can be lifted up rather than beaten down, to see what it's like to have somebody that cares for them and loves them. Some of you are called to be stay-at-home parents because God has called you to make Christ-like disciples. In your home. And he's called you to that. It's specific. A calling is not just your job. It's using the gifts God has given you to accomplish the calling he's placed on your life. If you're a Christian, you already got it. You got it. You are called to it. Number two, you're gifted for it. Romans 12, 6 and 8 says this. In his grace, 
God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. That tells me that all of us have been given something different. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. You know, I was talking to Alicia about this message, and I said, Alicia, I'm talking about God's gifting to us and how we all have been gifted to something. She said, that sounds so great. That sounds so good. What are you going to tell the people that don't know what their gifts are? And I kind of laughed at her. kind of laughed at her, and I'll tell you something, you need to know this, husbands. If you laugh at your wife and she's not laughing, she didn't intend for it to be funny. That's free marriage advice for you. Um, So after I stopped uh, laughing, I said, Alicia, what do you mean? She's like, well, there's some of us that we struggle to know what our gifts are. And she was talking about times in her life where she struggled to know what has God gifted her for. And I started to go through her life and I said, can you not think about these people? And I started naming names of people in our church. I said, God's given you the gift to build meaningful relationships. I said, God's given you the, the, the gift to be an encourager to others. I said, God's given you the gift to, to make others around you better. God has gifted you with the details. I love it when it's vacation time because I don't have to plan a thing. I'm a detail person, but when it comes to that, I can just pack my bag because I know everything else is taken care of. Some of you might think that's not vacation. But for me, if I don't have to worry about it, that's a good thing. Alicia's gifted with the details. I don't have to go and micromanage Alicia. If she says it's going to get done, it's going to get done. So I would tell you today that if you don't know what your gifts are, ask somebody. Ask someone. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, you got it. You are called to it and you are gifted for it. And number three, others see it. If you don't know what you're gifted for, ask somebody. Small group leaders, here's a shout out for you. What a great conversation to have in small groups what are you gifted at or maybe somebody says you know what I don't know where my gifts are then the others around them can build them up and help them to grow and take that next step or better yet maybe it's a great conversation to have on the ride home today or maybe at the dinner table and I'm not talking about just asking your spouse why don't mom dad grandma grandpa why don't you ask your kids your grandkids What do they think your gifts are? And then you're able to feed back into them. Here's what I see God has gifted you for. What a great opportunity it is for us to take the next step with those that we love and we care about. Amen? There's your homework today. Ask somebody else what your gifts are. So let's go back to Saul and David real quick. What did they do with their gifts? We need to see this very important thing. Saul did a couple things we would need to see. Saul kept his gift. 
And then Saul hid in the baggage. Hid in the baggage. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses 21 and 22. We see in this story that God has anointed and called Saul. He's called him from a certain clan, a certain tribe. He's called him from a certain family. And so as we pick up the story, and finally Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. As they go from Kish's family, they look around and they say Saul is going to be the king. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. So they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, this is in the Bible. You can go find it if you don't believe me. The Lord replied, he is hiding among the baggage. Saul, who was head and shoulders above everyone else, the Bible tells us, was hunched down in a pile of baggage from people that were traveling in. He was trying to hide in the baggage. He didn't want to be seen by any other people that were trying to anoint him as the king. He hid in the bad baggage. If we're honest today, some of us do the same thing. We hide in our baggage. I can't have that gift because I'm just not good enough. Or I can't have that gift. You don't know my past. We talked about this Wednesday night in our prayer time. Had an incredible spirit-filled time Wednesday night. As we were able to kind of shed some of this baggage to say, you know what? I don't know how to press in. I don't know how to pray. Well, guess what? All you got to do is say, I'm willing. God will take care of the baggage. But so many times we try to hide in our baggage. I don't know the Bible well enough to teach that class. I don't, I don't know how to pray well enough to lead a prayer group. I don't know how to do this. I'm not, I'm not walking with the Lord the way I should be. And we hide behind our own insecurities. Behind our own thoughts, our own baggage. The problem is that when we're neck deep in your baggage, you miss out where God wants to take you. When you're neck deep in your baggage, you miss out where God's trying to take you. So Saul, he kept it and he hid in the baggage. David, he shared it. And David stepped up for battle. We pick up David's response as he's still a shepherd boy visiting his brothers on the front lines in battle. 1 Samuel 17, 26, David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing the Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And David goes out with the Lord's help and kills Goliath. David was small in stature. David was just a shepherd boy. David didn't have anything special, so much so that his dad didn't even call him in to the meeting. But David was called to it. He was gifted for it. Another saw it, and David stepped up for battle. You see, Saul, Saul said, I don't have what it takes. David said, take what I have. Take what I have. So I want to close with this thought, this challenge for us. If you're a Christian, you got it. You've been gifted. You've been called. You've been gifted for it, and others can see it. You know, you might be saying, you know what, I'm, I'm not a Christ follower, so I don't have it. I guess I get an excuse today. You might get an excuse today. 
but you don't get an excuse for eternity. You know, I, this is one of the best, the best illustration I ever understood about helping somebody to see what the gift of salvation really was. God has basically come to us and said, you know what, I have this incredible gift for you. And he's given us this gift, this present. It's wrapped beautifully. It's one of those that you don't even want to open because it's so nice. You know what I'm talking about? And you're just like, wow. And we probably say to God sometimes, ah, you shouldn't have. And there's many of us that we're not ready to receive that gift. So we take the gift and we don't even open it. We set it aside. That gift is salvation. That gift is Jesus on the cross dying for your sins. And we do get a choice. We can take that gift and be like, oh God, you shouldn't have. And we can just set it aside without even opening it. And we might get an excuse from the preacher preaching a sermon on gifts. But if that present stays unwrapped for too long, we miss out on eternity with Jesus and God in heaven forever. So, I'm not just talking to Christians today. If you're not a Christ follower, today's the day to open your gift. God's given you a gift. He said, here it is. If you are a Christian, if you are a Christ follower, the Bible tells us that God grants all gifts. Every good thing comes from Him. You got it. Well, pastor, I don't know what that gift is. Oh, I'm so glad you thought so. We have this wonderful class that we've been starting, that we've done. We're going to do it again pretty soon that we're going to help you discover what your God-given gift is. And as we did this the first time, and we're still finishing that up, the light bulbs that went off in people's heads to say, wow, I never realized what God has given me to do. Now I can go do it. You are gifted. You got it. But here's the, here's the other thing, Christians. If you're gifted, being gifted means that you have something to give. You have something to give. How do you open your gifts? Oh, you shouldn't have. You open it with wandering eyes. I wish I could have had what they got. I wish I was... More like them. Or, you know what? This gift isn't really spectacular. It's pretty simple. This last Christmas, my mom and dad were here and they were spending Christmas time with us and we were opening gifts. And You know, the older you get, the, the gifts from mom and dad get less and less and the gifts for the grandkids get more and more. You know what I'm talking about? I'm like, man, he was my dad before he was your grandpa. Come on. No, I love, I love my mom and dad. And they, they got me a gift this year that was really, really cool. And I opened it up, and it was a sweatshirt. I thought, oh, thank you so much. This is cool. And I kind of put it aside, and we watched everybody else open their gifts. As I looked further into that package, there was something wrapped in that sweatshirt. And it was a little... Glass drinking cup. I should have brought it with me. 
I grabbed that cup, and my mom, I could see her sitting in the corner, off the corner of my eye. My mom's tears are flowing down her cheeks. And I start to cry because that glass was her mom's. And when they went through their home, that, she knew I loved that glass. Every time we went to grandma's, I wanted milk out of that glass. So I have that glass sitting in my cupboard. My kids said to me, Dad, it's just an ugly glass. I said, no, not to me. This is a special glass. I think there's times where God gives us a gift and we look in there and we say, man, there's nothing special about this. There's nothing spectacular about this gift. I want to I tell you something today, folks. You may look at your life. You may look in the mirror and say, I don't have a lot to give. I don't have anything spectacular to do. I'm not going to do what other people are doing. And God says, just give me your gift and I'll make it spectacular. Just give me what I give you and I'll make it spectacular. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and in a spirit of prayer this morning as we get ready to close our service today. I want you to know that God loves you. That He designed you and created you with a purpose. A very significant purpose. And maybe you've accepted that gift and you've opened your package and you've seen it and maybe you've questioned it, maybe you've even doubted. But now God's speaking to you and saying, well, you gonna, are you going to be like Saul? Hide in the baggage? Make excuses? Or will you be like David? Say, take what I have, God. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted that gift. So you don't even know what's in the package. You don't even know what benefit it is. Well, today's the day that you can open that gift. So I want to pray today. And today I want to pray for those that maybe have never opened that gift. But today you want to. So I'm going to ask you, maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your life. You've never opened that present that is forgiveness of your sins. And today you want to do that. If that's you today, can I just pray for you? Would you just raise your hand? Nobody's looking around. I just want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. God, we want to pray for those that raise their hand today. That it said, God, I want to open this gift. I want to see what you've given me. You have given them a gift of salvation. So today we're reminded, Lord, to, to receive that gift. We have to say we're sorry for the way we've lived our life. And basically say to you, God, forgive me for my sins. I want to walk with you the rest of my life. Thank you for this gift. God, I pray for those people that raise their hand today that they would be able to pray that prayer today and accept that gift. Maybe you're here today and you've opened that gift, but you've responded. Oh, you shouldn't have. 
And today you realize you have what it takes. You just have to give it back to him. So maybe you're here today and you want to say to to God today, you're saying, God, I want to respond like David. I'm going to give you my gift. Will you use it? If that's you today, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you today. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. God, we want to thank you for those that were raising their hands to say, God, I know the gift you've given me. Today, I want to rededicate that gift to you and ask you to use me how you see fit. God, help us as we open our gifts and we begin to use them to respond like David who said, take my gift. Use it. Use me how you see fit. God, would you help each and every one of us as we walk this life with you to realize you've gifted us all. You've called us for it. You've gifted us for your purpose. And others can see it. So help us to respond accordingly. We love you. We thank you for the gifts that you've given us. Help us, God, to use them today and going forward for your glory and honor. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen and amen. Have a great day. God bless you.